Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. I'm going to get a doctorate, and I want to be, be Dr. Mr. Pastor Matt. Uh, I'm going to have Zach impart me the gift of prophecy. I'm going to be Mr. Dr. Pastor Prophet. I want it all, okay? I want it, I want it all today. Good morning, Take Church. How are we doing? Come on, somebody. How good is Lord Jesus? I don't know what it is about this morning. I don't know if it's because some of our amazing worship leaders, Josh and Alex, aren't here this morning. So we went, we went drumless, and it was like this acoustic, intimate vibe. I don't know what it is, but what I love is that I'm able to walk to the back of our church building, our auditorium, and whether there's the lights or a fog machine or drums or all of the extras, the adage, the, uh, the added-ons, that would come with worship or a typical Sunday morning. I love that I can sit back there, I can go over my notes, and I can look out, and I can see my church, my people, my family, and I see them worshiping like they know they've been pulled from the rushing waters that the rest of our world is still raptured up in. I love that no matter what is happening up here, there are hands up, there are voices raised, there are people reading their Bibles. We are a people who worship like we know we've been rescued. We're a people that pray like we know we've been rescued. We are a people that give like we know we've been rescued. We're a people that live like we know we've been rescued and we are a people who live on such a mission with such urgency that we know we were pulled from those rushing waters and we will stop at nothing to pull those around us from the same rushing waters. Aren't you grateful for a Jesus, a Lord, a Savior that has pulled you from the rushing waters? Because in all honesty, we will have a thousand ways that we think today should have went. We will have conversations tomorrow about things that we as a staff or a team or whatever could improve upon and things that we could do quote unquote better on our end. And those conversations are great and those conversations are fruitful, but those conversations are completely and utterly in vain if we don't recognize that, you know what? Despite our best efforts or our most shortcomings, the Holy Spirit showed up in this place. God chose to meet with his people here. And so, no matter how good we performed or how good we didn't, God met his people right where we are at. And I am grateful for this moment. Amen? Because that's what church is about. So we're going to keep it going with this, with this intimacy this morning. We are continuing our series, Live No Lie. Live No Lie. Would you just turn and tell your labor, your, your labor, your neighbor, who you co-labor with in Christ, would you just turn and tell them, Live No Lie? Turn and tell your second choice neighbor, the neighbor you like less, you value less, and let them know you really need to live no lies. Isn't that sad? Isn't that great? You start evaluating yourself going, what was it, what was it about me? But this morning, we're going to continue our series, Live No Lie, and I have a very simple one-word message for you today. So if you're taking notes, where are my note-takers at? I love the note-takers. I really do. 
title of my message this morning, Wounded. 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 I think as I bring up this word, wound, pain, hurt, I'm sure a lot of things come rushing in. I'm sure a lot of memories. I'm sure a lot of childhood. I'm sure a lot of letdown. I'm sure spousal issues, marital issues, all sorts of things come flooding back. Things that happened to you as a child, things that were said to you. All of these things, when you hear the word wounded, there is something that begins to ache on the inside of each of us. And whatever is being drawn to the surface this morning, I want you to actually, as uncomfortable as it may be, friends, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to keep, keep that thought, keep that memory, keep that present this morning. Because today, today it's on my heart that we would truly live no lies. And for so many of us, our wounds, it's not that they're lies. It's that if they're not properly taken care of and properly cleaned and properly closed, our wounds will become the windows by which we view our lives. Our wounds will become the windows by which we view God. Our wounds will become the windows by which we view ourselves. And those windows lie. So are you ready to ready to close some wounds this morning? Coming out of the book of John this morning, if you've got your Bible, open up John 4, going through 4 through 19. It's quite a bit of scripture, but please just go with me here. It's going to be up on the Sky Bible. If you have your normal Bible, you can turn there. I'm coming out of the NLT, but I promise you it's worth it. It's good, and then we are going to rip into it, and we are going to find out everything that Jesus has for us today. Sound good? John 4, 4 through 19, it's up on the Sky Bible. Also, give it up for DJ and Steffi in the back. Come on one time. They are crushing it, crushing it. Verse 4, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph at Jacob's well. It was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food, and the woman was surprised for Jews. Well, they refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Who are you to be asking me for a drink? And Jesus replies, If you only knew the gift God has for you and whom you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well, it's very deep. Where would you be getting this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he has and his sons have and his animals have enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water, I will give them. Well, they will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus said. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. You're right. 
you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be, you must be a prophet. We're going to pray, and then we're really going to, we're really going to do some deep work. Father, Father God, we just come before you. We are open. We are honest. We are transparent. We are humble. And God, we are vulnerable. Right now, God, we, we your sons and we your daughters, we just come before you and we bear it all. We bear it all, God. God, we aren't interested in living another day on this earth with these wounds that are so prevalent, with these wounds that have had so much effect on our lives. Father God, right now we ask that your Holy Spirit would come that he would come with the sutures of the word of God, that he would come with the loving, tender sewing kit from heaven that would just seal us and close us and love us and shape us and form us today, Father God. Today, we didn't come to pretend and we didn't come to play church. We came to live free and redeemed. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said, Wounded. Wounded. See, all week, I actually tried to escape this. Can I be honest this morning? I tried to go a different way. Even up until last night, I was like, I could preach this, I could preach this, and da, da, da. And no. The Lord had just been bubbling up this in me all week long. And to me, you know, it's, it's, it's my goal and it's my, it's my aim every single week that we wouldn't just be another another church with a pastor whose pants are too tight and all I do is give you self-help Christianity. I'm going to be honest. That's an actual thing that I aim not to be here, that we aim not to be here. In fact, instead of being another self-help Christianity, what we truly desire is that we wouldn't be self-help Christianity, but we'd be savior healing Christianity. That we would be a, such a place where you can come with your wounds, where you can come with your baggage, where you can come with your authentic whom you are self. And that you would be loved and you would be taken care of and you would be looked after and you would sit underneath the word. And the word would begin to pierce bone and marrow and separate the smallest parts of you from the lies and the truth. And that in our very, very diligent aim that we have we would all leave this place looking more like Jesus every single week and so as this was bubbling up inside of me as a scripture was sticking out like a sore thumb as as I could not escape the idea of going after wounds I said God what is it this week what is the lie that we're going after what take a look at our house take a look at me God take a look at me if everything rises and falls on leadership Take a look at me, God. Take a look at our house, God. Take a look at our family. What lies exist? What lies have we believed? I just felt the tender heart of a father 
tender heart of a father that just spoke to me, that got down, that sat next to me in all of my memories, on my bench of despair, in my hardest moments, the things I have a hard time reconciling, the pain that I've felt, the wounds that I've experienced, the things that I've both done by my own affliction in my own actions and the things that were afflicted on me and the actions of others as I sat there and I prayed and I prepared and I looked at wounds. God was just like, there are wounds in our church that have gone unfelt. And because they've gone unfelt, they have gone unhealed. That there are some open graves. There are some open cuts. There are some open dug out things on the inside of us that for whatever reason... We have decided, I can't deal with this. I can't touch this. I can't handle this. I don't want to experience this ever again, not even in my mental, not even in my memory. And so we try to get away from it. We have done our utmost to cover up our wounds. But how many of you know there's a difference between covering wounds and closing wounds? There's a difference between masking our pain and cleansing our pain. You see, wounds that are unfelt are wounds that will go unhealed. And Jesus Christ did not go, friends. No, 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 no. He did not go to the cross simply so that he could cover our sins but then leave us to die in our wounds. And it is my goal and it is my aim today that we would take a look at these lives. Because friends, I think if we're being honest, can we be honest this morning in church? Is that cool? Who's ready to be honest this morning? No, seriously, hands up. Who's ready to be honest this morning? Who's not for the play play? Who's sick of fake church? Okay. I think if we're honest this morning, pain, pain is a prime motivator for the human, isn't it? Pain is a prime motivator for the human. I mean, we have done insane things, all in the hopes of avoiding pain. Like, pain is such a thing that moves human beings so much so that we will literally cut off relationships. We will move cities. We will quit going to a church. The second a relationship gets too real, the second we get in too deep, the second the world all goes to hell in a handbasket in a pandemic, we will do anything at all costs. Like a dog caught in a bear trap. We will gnaw off. We will cut off. We will bite off and we will run for the hills if we even get a whiff of pain. And that's just human beings. For Christians, man, one of the lies I've noticed that we believe more than anything, I think if we're being honest, where we are at today in our lives, both spiritually, professionally, personally, I would put money on it this morning pain has moved us further than promise has. Pain has moved us further than promise has. We claim to know Jesus. We claim to have the Bible. We claim to know that all of his promises are yes and amen. We love the song. 
We love the song. We love to say it. We love to sing it. We love to put it on. We love that scripture is probably on our fridge right now. And yet, so often, we are far more moved by our wounds than we are his word. In our lives, we have found ourselves, especially the last two years, I mean, how much did God use this to bubble up on the inside of us and just reveal to us where we are in the most pain. All of our fears have been revealed over the last two years. All of our wounds, all of our pains via isolation, via cut off from community, all of the other stuff about big government overreach and all the bogus crap that's going on there. Sorry, not sorry. All of it. All of these things, our conspiracies, our deep-seated All of these things, they bubbled to the surface over the last two years. And we sat there, and we were in our pain. And for a lot of us, we were alone. And you know what I know about pain? Pain leads to more pain. Pain leads to more pain. You ever heard that phrase, hurting people hurt people? Okay? Pain, wounds, wounds always wound, and pain always causes pain. You see, for Jesus... He invites us into this life where it's not guaranteed pain-free. But what it is, is guaranteed that there is hope against hope, strength against strength, glory to glory. That's who Jesus is. But so often, because pain only reproduces pain, because wounds always only cause wounds, what we do as we begin to look to the left and we begin to look to the right, and when pain comes, instead of pain pushing us into promise, we, get, we begin to trust our pain, our feelings, our wounds, more than our Father and more than His promise and more than His Word. Instead of pushing us into His promise, it actually pushes us further into pain. I mean, look at it, friends. Look at the world, right? Because it has all sorts of broken remedies for our wounds. Oh, you got a broken mind? Here's some broken sex. Oh, you got a broken identity? Here's some broken surgery. Oh, you got a broken heart? Here's some broken drugs. Whatever is broken in us, the world's remedies will only lead us into further brokenness. Wounds. You know what I find crazy about wounds? You know what I find crazy about pain? What I find crazy about wounds, what I find crazy about pain is pain and wounds don't even have to be real to move us. Wounds and pain don't even have to be real to move us. We will make decisions. We will have reactions. We will all of a sudden, we will, without even thinking about a response, we will react in our wounds, even towards perceived pain, pain that we think is oncoming. We will go, nope, I see where this is going because it's always gone this way. And suddenly we do the self-fulfilling prophecy thing where we begin to be reactionary before there's a reality. 
Because pain, pain is a better motivator for humans than the word of God. Problem is, we are Christians first, humans second. We're called to be a people moved by promise before we are pain. In fact, can I take it one step further, friends? We're called to be a people moved by the promise in the midst of our pain. We're called to be a people who are moved by his promises in the midst of our pain. Real, reactionary, perceived, or factual. Whether it actually happened or it didn't. Man. Wounds. Wounds are real. So Jesus, I'm sure you're wondering where the scripture comes into play. So it says Jesus, he is with his disciples. And if you need context real quick, the context is they just got done praying over a bunch of people, laying hands and baptizing a bunch of people. And it says that Jesus and his boys, they're on their way to Galilee and Jesus, he sends his disciples on ahead. He says, yo, Peter, go get me some yimmyans because it's yimmyans because Peter, or Jesus is Jewish. Just kidding. That was a great joke, okay? And no one cared, all right? It's fine. Yimmyans, thank you. Yimmyans. Now, today, when you go get lunch, you're going to be like, hey, Pastor Matt was right. That word was for me. That was prophetic. I'm going to go get some yimmyans. It's going to be amazing. So Jesus, he sends his boys on to Jimmy John's, and they're going to get lunch and Jesus, it says that he goes to this well, this Jacob's well that is in Samaria. This is paramount to our faith this moment, friends. This is so much to the Christian life. And you know what? We don't even think about it because we just go, uh, Jesus was going to get some water. But you don't understand. You see, Samaria, Samaritans and Jews, racial tension, okay? Today, racial tensions, really high. 70 years ago, racial tensions, really high. 2,000 years ago, racial tensions, really high. It's like the enemy just wants to get in between the things that divide us and cause us to de demolish each other. Good thing is, we can recognize that racism is just a tool by the devil and not of Jesus. Amen? Can we just all agree on that real quick? Perfect. So Jesus sends his boys on up ahead. And the reason he does that will become later very clear in the scripture if you continue to read on, because eventually the boys will show up to this very moment and be like, what are you doing here, Jesus? Because Jews and Samaritans don't get along. But here's the deal. Jews and Samaritans, they don't get along. And Jesus, on his way to Galilee, he didn't actually have to go through Samaria. He didn't. As a Jewish rabbi, he would know. Guess what? There is a very well-traveled other path that goes right around Samaria. And yet, Jesus being Jesus, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, 100% man, 100% God, had a relationship with his Father that we all aim to have and grow in. And here Jesus is sent on mission by the Holy Spirit. He had options, but he was on a mission. And what Jesus is, ends up doing is sending his Amazing disciples, but still in yet of much need and redemption and growth ahead. And when he had options to go around 
Instead, what Jesus was, was made a beeline for this well. This is Jacob's well. This well, it's very important. We'll get into that later. There's some things about it that will really blow your mind. But, but Jesus, in this moment, What this shows me about my Lord and Savior, what this shows me about my God, what this shows me about the Holy Spirit, what this shows me about the Word, is that God is far more willing to go where we are unwilling to go. God is willing to go where you and I are unwilling to go. We're the Jews. We are the disciples. We are the people that would look at that place, that would look at this moment, would look at the world, and we go, we're not going there. We're different, we're set apart, we can't associate, whatever. And you know what? God isn't just more willing to go in the world where we aren't willing to go. God is more willing to go in ourselves where we're not willing to go. Oh, Matt, that's a stretch. That's not what the context says. It is. We'll get there. We'll get there. Because what ends up happening is, is Jesus, in this moment, evidently, there's a long way around Samaria, but evidently going through and uphill to this well, to fetch a pail of water, is really excruciatingly taxing on Jesus as it would be on probably most human beings. And and so what I see hilarious here is it says that Jesus, he goes out of his way, he goes to this place in Samaria where he shouldn't be, goes to the well, and Jesus is so tired, he is so tuckered out, he has to sit down at this well. And then a Samaritan woman arrives, and we'll get to that moment of scripture in just a second, but what I find incredible about my Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior. And if you're not a Jesus follower yet today, I pray that you will see his heart this morning in this word because the heart of our Lord and Savior, the creator of the universe, the one who hung the stars, who knows every hair on your head, this guy, our Lord and Savior will go out of his way when he had other options when he had other places he could find himself, and he will tire himself out. He will run himself ragged. He will give of himself physically time and time again up until the point of being so parched. He has to sit down at this well. Friends, can I tell you this morning, can I submit to you today that Jesus, when he has other options, will still choose to park it in the middle of your pain. When he had other options, when he had other places to be, when he could have kept on mission, when he could have kept going where it was safer for him as a Jewish rabbi, when he could have went to where he'd be more accepted, where he would have went, where his word would have been more readily accepted and wanted to hear, where people would be gathering. I mean, after this, people gather for miles to come and hear Jesus speak, this great prophet, this Messiah, this rabbi, all of the things that were going on about Jesus. Is he Elijah? Is he Elisha? Who is he? People would gather. They would come from miles and miles and miles. And yet, he would go outside of himself, beyond himself, give of himself repeatedly. Also that Jesus, he could park it in the middle 
of my pain. In the middle of our pain. You see this well. This well has a lot of biblical history to it, a lot of world history to it. This well is where Abraham did his first sacrifice to God. Up the way from this well is actually where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. (laughs) It's also where Rebekah would be found. It's also where Moses would meet his wife, Zipporah, where Jacob would meet Rebekah. I mean, this well, there was a lot of, like, weddings happening at this well. There was a lot going on at this well. So many people met and found their spouses at this well, and I don't think that's by accident. I th- actually, I think that's amazing. And I think God is actually saying a lot in that little word, and I also am looking at the faces today, and I'm seeing some people being like, hey, where's this well at? <laughs> I'm thirsty. <laughs> and I need a wife. And I need a husband. <laughs> Still there today. Just got just to gotta tra- travel across the sea. Anyways. I knew wounds are going to be something that's a bit touchy for all of us, and I wanted to make sure that we had some, had some levity, we had a chance to laugh. In this moment, Jesus, so tired, but so driven by his mission and his cause, friends, being in pain is exhausting. Being wounded is exhausting. Why do you think it is every time you're injured or every time you go in for surgery or any time you are in a moment of like crazy depression or whatever the situation may be, inside turmoil is going on, physical turmoil is going on. Why do you think it is like as much as you are, quote unquote, taking a break, you're taking it easy, you're laying down, for whatever reason you are more worn out, worn thin, tired than you would be if you were in perfectly fine health doing life. Wounds are exhausting. Carrying pain that you shouldn't be carrying, allowing it to go unfelt and unhealed, it's exhausting. And it's even more exhausting when we allow our wounds to become the windows by which we view the world, by which we view ourselves. Friends, if there's one thing I know about wounds, if there's one thing I know about pain, is that pain makes us question those we are closest to. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Pain, pain has influence in every area of our lives. The second someone touches the wound, guess what we do? We either punch forward or we pull back, right? The second someone touches a wound, touches a sore spot, we either punch forward or we pull back. Isn't that correct? We will either respond ferociously or we will run very cowardly. Those are the two responses to pain. And you see what happens here is pain... Pain makes us question those that we are most closest to. Pain will actually make us accusatory, skeptical. It'll actually cause us to view the people and the persons, and hopefully for all of us, namely 
Jesus, the one we are the most closest to, it will actually make us question who God is, doesn't it? Man, when we are in wounds, when we are in a painful season, when something happens that takes us back to that moment where someone took advantage of us, or someone said that thing and it wounded us, or whatever it was that set us far back, that kept us wrapped up, that actually brought us into chains and bondage, that moment. Whenever pain is touched upon or wounds are pressed upon, it will cause us to question who God is. You see, because in this moment, there's a Samaritan woman, and she comes to the same well. Obviously, Jesus was on mission to meet this woman. And it says that this woman was at high noon. This is, this is really important to the story, that in the middle of the day, when the sun is at its highest, when the water would not have been cool, when everybody else in that time period was going up to this well in the wee hours of the morning when it was cold still, when there was dew still, before the sun ever rose at all still, that's when they would gather, they would bring their pails, they would bring their buckets, they would bring their jars, and they would line up all in hopes of being the first to get the coldest. But sure not being there as the sun rose. That's when all the town, all the Samaritans, it's all when they would show up. And yet this woman, this particular woman, she shows up at noon when it's at its highest, when it's at its hottest, when it's at its most inconvenient, and also when she's alone or has the highest percentage chance chance of going unseen. Friends, in this moment, Jesus, he goes, he is at this well, and he turns to her, and he says, could you give me a drink? Can you just imagine? King of the universe, tuckered out for my sake, parking it in the middle of what is about to be revealed as my pain. And he turns to me and he goes, can I have a drink? He turns to you and says, can I have a drink? And what does our pain cause us to do? She looks at him and goes, who are you? Who are you, a Jew, to ask me for anything? Who are you? Isn't that just like our pain? Isn't that just like our wounds? Isn't that just like when we are at our ends, when we don't want to deal, when we can't even handle life at that moment, when we just begin to look at God, when he asks us for something, go to church on Sunday, be a babe crew, go to boys crew, commit to the house, give this much money, go and be with this person and, and get coffee with them, pay for the person's uh, groceries behind you, whatever it is, big, little, or small, believe me for greater things even. God sits in the middle and parks it in the middle of our pain. Ask us to give him something. Why don't you just give me glory? Who are you to ask me for glory? Who are you to ask me to give? Who are you? Don't you know why I'm here at noon? Don't you know why there's no one else around? Don't you know why I'm here and no one else is? Don't you know what I'm going through, God? How dare you ask me for anything? Who are you, God? My entire generation is deconstructing their faith. You want to know why? 
Because we got unresolved wounds. We have open graves on the inside of us. We have got cut so deep that we have not even acknowledged, and yet we want to tear down the one that can heal us? No wonder we make more moves out of a hurt instead of the one that can heal. And we look at Jesus, and we look at God, and we look at the Holy Spirit, and we look at the church, and we look at the Bible, and we look at people who want nothing but to see God rule and reign in our lives and see us overcome. And we say to them, who are you? Who are you to ask me for anything? I'm the one here with cancer. I'm the one here in the ICU. I'm the one here whose marriage is on the rocks. I'm the one here who got stepped out on. I'm the one here. Our pain will always make us question God. But what does God do? God turns off his cell phone in service. But what does God do? What does God do? He looks at us just like he looked at this woman. And he just leans over because he knows and he's secure and he's got it. <laughs> I love Jesus. He's like, girl, <laughs> if you only knew the gift I have, if you only knew the gift I have, if you only knew the freedom that I can bring, if you only knew the healing that I could do, if you only knew the wounds that I see that you're not even affected by because you haven't even recognized them, if you only knew what kind of marriage I could give you, if you only knew what kind of healing I could bring, if you only knew what kind of words I could speak over you, if you only knew that I got all the keys to all the chains you'd be locked up in, if you only knew the gift I had, you would be asking me for water. Isn't that just like our God? Isn't that just like us? In the middle of our pain, questioning his goodness because suddenly something happened to us that we were caught off guard by. Suddenly, we were just in the middle of our chains and our bondage, and yet we're reacting to him who's been faithful our entire relationship. And the second something goes mortally wrong, financially wrong, spiritually wrong, something in the church is wrong, whatever it may be, the second we're wronged or we become wrong or we offend somebody or we hurt somebody or we do whatever, second pain, wounds, hurt, enters our lives. Suddenly it's like, who are you? And God's response is always, I'm the gift giver. I'm the way maker. I'm the miracle worker. I'm your father who art in heaven hallowed be my name. It's my kingdom that comes and my will that's going to be done on earth, in your body, in your marriage, in your finances, in your spiritual life, in your chains, in your mind as it is in heaven. That's who I am. Jesus goes, if you only knew. Because a lie that we will believe is when we get pain and we are wounded, God is not really who he said he was. Because if he was who he said he was, I wouldn't feel this way. Yet it's Paul that says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. It's, God, it's Paul that says, I will rejoice all the more in my sufferings because I know that Christ is with me in them. 
It's Paul that says, I am a broken vessel, but I will rejoice in the ridicule. I will rejoice in the lashings. I will rejoice in the jailing. I will rejoice in the gossip. I will rejoice when everything is going wrong because when hell is after me, heaven is within me. Is there any Christians in the morning, in this morning that believe that when hell is after you, heaven is for you? You know this moment? You know what this moment tells me about Jesus? This moment tells me about Jesus is that you see this woman, there's a reason she's here at noon. It's because later in scripture we would find out that she is a woman, a Samaritan woman, who has five previous husbands and the sixth guy is a living boyfriend. Now, we don't have much context for that, do we? Like, we don't really know why she's been married five times. Like, for all we know, and we don't know why the sixth guy isn't willing to get married either, you know what I mean? Like, she could be a widow five times over, and the new guy's just like, yeah, I'm not really trying to be on that list. Um, there's something up here, and uh, like, I'll hang out. We could be friends, you know, call you, call you on my cell phone, hotline bling style, but uh, stupid. I'll call you late at night. But I don't want to be on that list because something's going on over here where there's been five of me and I'm not trying to be the sixth. Because then the next thing, you know, Jesus is going to say, no, actually, there's been seven or there's been eight. And, like, I don't want us to come and stop that now. So we don't know why. Could have been she's an adulterer, that she stepped out. It could have been that because a lot of women were at that time abused, thrown out, disregarded, discarded. But for whatever reason, what we do know is that she's there at noon instead of in the morning with the rest of town. And that is because she fears for her safety. She fears for her safety because contextually at this time, a woman with five previous husbands, any divorce, any separation, and then also living with a guy that you're not married to, all of this is reprehensible. All of this is considered a totally fine, fair game for stoning. Your physical being is at stake in Samaria if you were to go and get water when it's cool, when it's convenient, and when there's community. You know what I know about pain? Pain will always make us feel like an outlier. Pain will always make us feel like an outlier. You know how we respond when we feel like an outlier? We don't go anywhere. We don't go to church. We don't go to our community. We don't go to our friends, our girlfriends, our boyfriends. We don't go to people and let them see us for what we really are. Oh man, if I went there in the morning when everybody else was there, if I went there and they knew and they got to see me and they got to hear me and they got to experience me, if they knew everything I am, friends, what wounds will do is cause us to respond out of our brokenness where we actually break off from the very things that can free us. And we will respond in such a way where we won't show up, we won't give ourselves over, because we won't allow ourselves to be exposed because the lie that we believed about our wounds, our pain, and our experiences is that if they only knew who we were, what we really were, they would cast us out, they would throw us aside, they would discard and disregard us, and there we would be an outlier. You know what I love? about King Jesus. Jesus had options. Jesus had options. He could have went with his boys, could have got some yimmy yans, could have went and did his thing, had more miracles, 
separated more loaves, prayed over more people, did other crazy miracles. He could have went and cured another woman of 12 years' issue of blood. He could have went and revived Jairus' daughter again. He could have went and did all of these different things in this moment. He had options and he had ways around. But you know what this tells me about Lord Jesus? Is that our God is willing to go with us at high noon. I don't think you're picking up on what I'm saying down. Or, <laughs> I don't think you're picking up what I'm laying down. Our God is willing to put on the shame of an outlier if it means he can heal the outlier. Our God, he is willing he is able, and there is nothing stopping him. And he is saying to a generation right now of outliers, of outcasts, of tossed aside, casted out, of broken, wounded, pain-filled people, myself included. He is saying, you know what? I'm the king of the universe, but I'm willing to go into Samaria where I shouldn't be. I'm willing to go where no one else is willing to go. And you know what? I'm willing to do it at noon. So what shame is put on you by being there at noon, let it be put on me as well. They can wonder about this rabbi as well. They can wonder about this Lord as well. They can think of me what they wish. I will take on your dirt if it means you will be clean. Praise him. Praise him. <laughs> Friends, there is some breakthrough that will only come via the doorway that are our wounds. There is some breakthrough in our lives that we will only experience in our wounds. And I'm going to tell you that because in this moment, something happens. She looks at him and she says, who are you to ask me for anything? And he goes, if you only knew the gift I had, you see this thing, this well, mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to have to keep coming back here. You're going to have to keep coming at noon. You're going to have to keep getting hot water. You're going to have to keep being inconvenienced. You're going to have to keep hiding. Friends, do you know that you cannot be both healed and hidden at the same time? You can be healed or you can be hidden, but you cannot have both. You can be healed... Or you can be hidden, but you cannot have both. Jesus goes, you're going to have to keep coming back here. Those who thirst out of this, those that are broken and turned to sex, guess what? You're going to have to have more sex. That's how pain works. It's going to feel great for a second. They have one night of memory, and then just freaking condemnation and guilt and heaviness. Man, weekend was awesome. That party was lit. It was exactly what you needed, right? I was low, and then I got high. Yeah, but you're going to have to get high again. Man, my marriage sucks, but I got this boo thing on the side, you know. I at home, tender, loving care. In the streets, tender, loving care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to keep going to tender. They're going to have to keep going. Like this drink that I have. Right now you have mortal wounds. Don't you want me to clean it out with living water? Don't you want me to clean that out with living water? You see this thing, it's going to bubble up inside you. 
And it's going to fill you with such eternal life that this, this will no longer satisfy you. You see, the things of this world, the things that you are nursing your wounds with, the licking your wounds with, the things that you are, the people you are going to, to help you meet the needs of your wounds, the people you're asking to wrap you up and prep you up and prop you up and suddenly try and hold you up. They can't sustain you. You can't even sustain you. You're going to have to keep coming back here. The woman's like, yeah, but this well is really deep and you don't even got a pail. <laughs> what? Isn't that dumb? We question God when he says, here's the answer. And then you go, yeah, but I got this feeling. Yeah, Jesus, you ain't ever stepped a day in my shoes. And he's like, yeah, you ain't ever walked Calvary. Jesus, you ain't lived an entire day in my being. You don't know the confusion that I'm experiencing. No, but I was on this tree this one time, and then I was stabbed, and then I was getting, like, there was this, like, uh, sponge that was put in my mouth that was passed around between all the guards, and they were peeing in the bucket, and then they stuck it in my mouth, and, uh, and then I died. Uh, and then I touched down in hell. I slapped up the red guy a few times, took back the keys to all hell, sin, death, and the grave. And then I rose again and ascended on to heaven. And now I sit on the throne. So while I haven't lived a day in your confused life, man, I've had some experiences. <laughs> you don't even got a pail, Jesus. You don't even got a leg to stand on. You're going to keep coming back to the same well. You have no earthly means to fill and meet and heal your wounds and your pain and your hurt. And Jesus says, that will give you a drink that will be like a bubbling spring. Swell up on the inside of you and you will never thirst again. And what happens next is amazing. Because immediately she hears this. All right there, in the middle of her shame, in the middle of her pain, in the middle of this moment where she is hiding from her entire community. Jesus shows up, parks it in the middle of her pain, says, I have got living water. And she goes, I want it. I want it. And she goes, give me a drink. Give me a glass. Line it up. Let's do it, Jesus. I want it. And what happens next, you see, most of us, we would grab our boy Jesus, you know, we're going to go back to, you know, 2002 and be like, yo, Jesus is my homeboy. Hey, homeboy, come here. Um, hey, whatever you're thinking, I see that look on your face. You got that Jesus look on your face where you're about to uh, screw this up? Big time, Jesus, okay? Um, don't say what you're about to say. Don't say it. We've already got her. Hook, line, and center. You know what I'm saying? She's already in. She wants the water. You ain't got to bring up what you're bringing up. See, all of us, this is why his disciples, he sent them ahead because we would be the dumb ones going, no, 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 Jesus. Don't bring it up anymore. Stop right there. Pause. Because we think he's so concerned with our afterlife. When he says, I want to bring heaven to earth now, he's concerned with our today life just as much as he is our tomorrow life. And so what Jesus does, we want to pump the brakes. We want to shut his mouth. We want to tell him, don't say any more. We have got her. Don't be cruel, Jesus, is what we would say. Oh, Jesus, what you're about to say, that's just rude. You don't got to bring her up. That's shameful. Don't do it, Jesus. We call Jesus shameful in our hubris. Isn't that ridiculous? Because Jesus is about to reveal her pain, her wound, her sin, her greatest turmoil, her biggest battle, the thing she faces the most, the reason she's there at noon when it's the hottest and most inconvenient it could be, when she's going to get terrible water that she's going to have to leave in the dark for the next two days to cool down. Like, this is what's going to happen to her. 
And we think when someone's in their biggest moment of pain, that's wrong to bring up their past or their sin or their issues. No, 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 no. Jesus isn't bringing up her past to shame her. He's bringing up her past to free her. Because wounds unfelt and unacknowledged will go unhealed. You see, in this moment, (laughs) Jesus, he looks at her and goes, well, you want to drink of what I have? Then go and get your husband. And that's when all the disciples would be like, there goes the neighborhood. Like, why did we come here? Why are we in Samaria? We Jews, we're finna get killed. And you, all this. She's about to run down and tell some town folks and be like, yo, this Jewish rabbi dude up here, get him. And his little friends. But Jesus knows better. Friends. Jesus knows better. And he looks at her and goes, you want a drink of what I have? Then go and get your husband. And it's the same word that he gives us in the middle of our pain. You see, friends, we're sitting here going, isn't that shameful? Isn't that painful? No, no, no. Jesus isn't down with simple believism. If you think he only came to cover your sin but not heal you of your wounds, you are mistaken. He is not here for a coverall. He's here for a close-up. He's here for a healing. He's here for a miracle. He's here for redemption. He's not here just to cover the sins of man. He's here for the new man and the new woman and the full women and the wholeness and the redemption, the whole story. He wants to fix it all, not just cover some. And so what happens in this moment is the same thing he says to every single one of us when we come to know him. Jesus, I want it. I want you. Come and be the Lord and Savior of my life. Pull me from these rushing waters of wounds of 2021, of the political landscape, of all the crap that is happening in this world right now. Jesus, come and save me. And he looks at us like, I don't want to just lord over you so you make better decisions from here on out. I want to save you even from the things from your past. Even from the, same, the things that have actually been the causality of why you're in the moment and circumstances that you're in. Some of us, the reason our marriage is on the rocks right now isn't because we did anything in our marriage right now. It's because something was done to us years ago. It's because something we did previously to this. The reason some of us are so skeptical of the church is because of something in the past, something that wounded us and caused us pain in the past. The reason we're so quick to believe lies is because some sort of wound became the way of which we viewed the world through a window. The reason we have an unhealthy relationship with money, the reason we don't really believe the things of God, Man, I saw someone get prayed over and they just weren't healed. And you know what? That really hurt me because the pastor really hyped it up. And we've allowed the pain and the wound and the slant and the slit and the cut to go unhealed, unclosed. We'd hope to go unnoticed. And then there's Jesus going, you want what I have? Poke. I didn't come here just for eternal and everlasting life. I came for life and life for the full now. You want a full life? Go get your husband. You want a full life? Go get your porn addiction. You want a full life? Go get your Tinder. You want a full life? Go get your bank account. You want a full life? 
Go get that childhood memory that came to your beginning, in the beginning of the message when Matt said wound. Yeah, bring that. All of a sudden, we sit here, and we want to be like this woman, be like, I have no husband. And Jesus then goes, because we're going, I have no porn addiction. I have no hurt. I have no this. And Jesus goes, you're right. You've had five, and you've done this. And you've been here, and this has harmed you, and it has shaped you, and it's the causality for the reason you find yourself at a well on the top of this hill when it is hot as Hades outside. You're right in what you said. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five, and the sixth guy is a live-in boyfriend. You see, here's the deal. We will try to hide, even from Jesus, the wounds and the pain and the sins of our lives. But Jesus, you see, we think that we have to be cleaned up to come to Christ. We think that we have to have it all figured out to come to Christ, to come to church. Someone's going to throw us out the second they find out who we really are, friends. Jesus knows what he purchased on that cross. Jesus purchased you with the wounds in mind, with the shame in mind, with the pain firmly in his pain, with your wounds firmly written on his back and lashings and scars. Friends, Jesus understands you're damaged. I'm damaged. But thank God in heaven that Jesus, when he goes shopping, he only buys damaged goods. Thanks, Chuck. Because we want to hide and we want to bop, and we want to weave, and we want God's eternal life, everlasting life, afterlife. We want that later. But we would rather avoid the pain of now. Worship team, you can make your way up here. We would rather avoid the pain of now. Friends, can I tell you something? We live in a generation and I know it because it's me. It's me and it's you. It's me and it's you. We live in a time and a place where we are all about being known. We live in a time and a place where we are all about being known. But we wanna be known on our terms and we wanna be known on the percentages of which we choose to let people see us. You see, friends, we live in a time and a place where someone can ask us, hey, how are you doing? And you're like, oh, man, you know, it's been really tough. Uh, the Lord's been asking me to hang out late, and uh, I've been praying. Uh, I'm just really tired. I'm not getting enough sleep. Like, the Lord just wants all my time. And uh, so other than that, life's pretty good. But if you could pray that I would pray less, you know, I've been really putting a lot of time into my YouTube channel. I'm just trying to get the word out. I'm trying to get the good news out. You know, I've just been uh, really busy with, with work, but it's going good. It's just, it's just a lot of work. But if you could pray that, you know, the Lord would just be with me while I'm at my workplace doing such a better job than everybody else. Like, I'm just giving up myself. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not even, like, people don't even recognize how good they have it because I'm there. And this is how we live. Because you know what? We are completely fine with being 99% known and yet completely unknowable. Artists, hi guys, you're okay with being 99% known, but it's that 1%, it's that 1% that we wanna withhold from the world 
It's that 1%, it's that five husbands and the six living boyfriend. It's the thing that brings us the most shame. It's the thing that's been the hardest for us to understand and come to reconciliation with that 1%. And you know what's weird about that 1%? It's that 1% that will always lead us back to chains. Friends, you can be 99% known and yet 100% unfree. You could be one you could be 99% known to God and yet be 100% unfree because it's that 1% that keeps you in chains. You see God he wants to know you 100% because it's the 100% that will save you, it's the 100% that will satisfy you, it's the 100% that will redeem you, that will restore you, that will enable you to live 100% free. And the lie that we believe is that God doesn't know. Like there's something we can hide behind our back and keep from him. Like there's some sort of wound that we can say, hey, don't look at that, Jesus. Hey, don't touch that, Jesus. Jesus, don't bring that up. Don't bring that up. Why you got to go there, Jesus? I just want John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that none shall perish, but some might come to know him and have eternal life. I want that, Jesus. I want the end game, not my present pain. And yet, we can be 99% known and 100% in bondage. Did you know what happens in this moment? You want to know how I can prove that? Because in this moment, the Samaritan woman, she goes, wow. You must be a prophet. You must be a prophet. Because immediately following this moment, his disciples show back up who still got things to work out, salvation issues to contend for, still a bit racist going, what are you doing with a Samaritan woman, Jesus, scandal? And what does this woman do? Her response to being 100% known, 100% free, and 100% seen, is she actually leaves Jesus briefly and she goes down into Samaria, the very city full with the very same people who were going to murder her, who were going to shame her, who were going to ridicule her, who were going to hurt her, who were going to kill her, who would have, if she was, this happened in the morning, they would have killed her. And yet she goes and evangelizes to the same people who wanted to kill her for her shame, for her pain, for her wounds, for her sin. And it says she ran down there and she goes, you gotta come. There's this Jewish rabbi. I know he's a Jew, but hear me. He told me everything I've done. He told me everything about myself. He knew everything and he gave me bubbling springs of eternal life. And guess what happened? It says that the entire town 
multitudes of people, not only that they went up to the hill, to the well, to go and see Rabbi Jesus. But it says that the multitudes believed. Because the best evangelists are the people that are 100% free and 100% known and 100% seen and 100% forgiven and 100% secure in their past and in their pain and their wounds because there's some breakthrough that only comes through the doorway of your wounds. There's some promotion in your life. There's some power from on high. There are some calls and assignments that will only be given to you when you let Jesus touch you in that wound. Because this woman it says that they led. Jesus stayed an extra two days. He stayed an extra two days. You know what that means? That means he was there for a total of three days. A Jewish rabbi in Samaria leading a revival to racists of a Jewish rabbi. I mean, this is who our God is, and this is what's possible when we lean into his word and not into our wounds. Friends, would you stand? Right now, we're gonna sing a song called Reckless Love. Does anybody know it? There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, running after me. Lord Jesus, today, he wants to 100% know you. He wants to 100% forgive you. He wants to 100% heal you. He wants you to live the freest life you possibly can. A prophetic word for everyone this morning is that you can either be healed or you can be hidden. You can live whole or you can live in secret. You can live in the promise or you can die in your pain. Today, we're going to make it our declaration. We're going to make it the cry of our heart. Can we get the altar up here, by the way? Can we lay that down? We got a space right here where we're going to go back into the song. And if you got some things to lay down, if you want to spend some time on your knees, if you want to come and be in the hands of the Lord Jesus in this intimate space right here, and you just want some deliverance, and you just want some healing, and you just want to lay it all down, and you just want your heart and your wounds fissures and your slits and your cuts and your bruises and your pain to have a healing and revealing touch from Jesus today that's what this moment is about my call over this church and this home yeah come my call over this church and this home and these people right now is that you will live healed whole, built up, complete, lacking nothing in the mighty name of Jesus. No longer will you live hidden because Jesus cannot heal what you choose to conceal. He can only redeem what you choose to reveal. Amen.
So we're going to pray and we're going to worship and we're going to let the reckless overpoured, overflowed, oversung word and love of God rapture us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Let's worship. Come on. <laughs> 